glad you made the effort to be here. Next week, I want you all to work on spreading out in the auditorium where you're not so close together. See if you can get some distance. Uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. During Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for uh, you and your goodness and your kindness shown to us. We're thankful for the hope that we have in a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for peace that endures. We're thankful for the opportunity to come together and to study your word. And, and I pray that we grow in your knowledge. We, I pray we grow in the knowledge of your truth and that it bears much fruit in our life. We're thankful for the rain uh, of yesterday. We're thankful again that, that your hand of grace and kindness is with us. And we praise you for that. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we're going to jump back in. We're in the 14th week of our lesson, the grand scheme of thing. Again, a survey. If you've been participating, uh, moving all the way across Scripture, we started in Genesis. We're going to go all the way to the book of Revelation, uh, stacking on top of each other the truths of who our Savior is as, re as recorded in uh, the entirety of the Bible. Uh, we're in the 14th week. We've covered a whole lot of information. Last week, we started looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, Jacob, Israel, has 12 sons. One of those sons is Joseph. Uh, there is actually a huge amount in the book of Genesis about Joseph. It's kind of interesting how some folks have uh, less material than some, like Joseph, have a, a quite a bit there. There's a lot of information about Joseph, and so we're actually going to take three weeks to pass over uh, the events of his life. We're in the second week this week. A quick review. Remember, uh, for several reasons, uh, he, is, he is born uh, as his father is aging in years. For several reasons, he is the favorite son. The Bible says that. Uh, he is known as the favorite. Uh, it, the brothers know that. They see that. It, it is not a secret. And so because of that, his brothers hate him. The Bible says that they speak uh, roughly to him, and they actually hate him. There is strife in the household because of his status as the favorite son. Uh, in the account, Joseph goes to check on his brothers. His dad sends him. He's obedient. Uh, his brothers don't like him, and yet he agrees to go. Uh, the Bible tells us that there is a plan that is hatched to kill him. They see him coming before he even gets there, before there's an incident. They've already decided they're going to kill him. They're going to be done with him. Uh, they throw him in a pit. Uh, they change the plan uh, for several reasons. One of them is they decide, you know what, we'll, we'll kill two birds with one stone. We'll sell him, and we'll also be done with him at the same time. Uh, he is taken into slavery. In slavery, he's taken to Egypt, and we read that account last week. Uh, he is sold to a high-ranking officer, Potiphar, uh, one of Pharaoh's high-ranking officers. In his service uh, as a slave, the Bible tells us he climbs to the top of the rank. Uh, I think it's interesting. We're going to see this several times. He is honorable in his dealings. He is uh, showing the character of God in his dealings, and so God shows him favor, and he climbs to the top of the rank. Uh, in that situation, he is tempted Potiphar's wife, he is accused falsely by Potiphar's wife. He is taken from there, and Potiphar is angry in response to the claims of his wife, and Joseph is thrown into jail. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for just a second. Here he is, all of these things have happened, and here's what his life looks like. He is disowned by his family, he is sold into slavery, 
He has no friends. He has no family. He is a slave. He is accused falsely, and now he is in jail. And those really were no quick turn of events. That wasn't something that just happened in quick order. Uh, This has been a long process, a bad, long process. Here's the question. What did he do wrong? Think about that. What did he do wrong? What did he do wrong to his brothers? Now, we read the account, and some folks say, well, he's arrogant. Uh, He tells them the dream. I don't know that he he tells them that in arrogance. He interprets the dreams. Uh, But but I can't see really anything he does wrong. Uh, Now, in Potiphar's house, what did he do wrong? He, He operated with character, with integrity, and hard work. Guess what? Now he's accused falsely, and he is in jail. And so it is a long process. It is a bad process. Here's, here's a couple of questions to think about before we start back. How is that fair? How is that fair? Do the right thing, suffer wrong. How is that good? Why? How is that good? Look at where he's at. Here's a good question. Why would God allow this? Isn't God gracious? Isn't God good? How does this happen? Why does God overlook it? Where's God at when this is happening? How's this fair? Why would God allow this to happen? Now, I want to start to think about something as we move through the account. What do you think Joseph feels? And here's what I think. I think we've read this account several times. We see it from the end perspective. Man, he meets back up with his family and everything turns out well, and they have plenty of food and they they survive the drought. And so we see it from the end perspective And sometimes we forget of the perspective of Joseph as he goes through it. Now think about that. His family disowns him. They sell him into slavery. He goes to Potiphar's household. He he responds in integrity and character. That doesn't pay off. He's accused falsely. He's placed in jail. What do you think he feels? How do you think he feels? Now let me ask you a question. What about you? What about you when you think something's not right? You ever had something say, I did the right thing, that's not right. That doesn't make any sense. What about you when you don't like what's going on? You ever been in a spot that I don't like this. I don't like the turn of events. Don't like how we got where we're at. I don't like it. What about this? And maybe you can say this as well. What if you seek God's help and it seems to get worse? You ever been in a spot, maybe it's in your relationships and maybe it's in your career, maybe it's in your health or your finances or some area, and you say, God, I've tried to do the right thing and I'm trying to honor you, and God, I need some help, and God, I need some relief, and you seek his help, and yet it seems to get worse. It doesn't seem to get better, it seems to get worse. Isn't that the hardest part when when that seems to happen? That's what we're going to look at tonight as we go into our verses. Tonight our verses, Genesis chapter 40 and Genesis chapter 41. Now let me read the key points. We're going to read all those verses in pieces. The key point, Joseph suffered great hardship. Even so, he lived in a way that honored God. That's the key point. We're going to have some other things we bring out as well. On your sheet, we start with the section, I have a dream Chapter 40, verses 1 through 21. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. 
Pharaoh was furious with his two chief officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was in prison. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream that same night. Each man his own dream, and each dream its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. And he said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in, his hand, in my hand. So I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is his interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his place and put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Notice the couple things there. First off, notice the pattern there. Uh, the same thing that happens in Potiphar's house happens in the jail. He operates in integrity. He operates in a way that honors God, and God blesses him. Now, last week we talked about the, the, the understanding, does God bless him so he operates in integrity and obedience, or does he operate in obedience and integrity and so God blesses him? We're not sure how that starts, but really it's a thing that feeds the other thing. He's in jail, he does the right thing, he operates with character that honors God, and so God blesses him. All right, I want to ask you a question, and it's kind of a weird thought right here. Here's the question. Can God bless you and not deliver you from your troubled situation? 
can God bless you? You're in this tough spot, and you don't like that tough spot, and you've asked God to remove you from that tough spot. Can God bless you, but not remove you from your troubled situation? Can God bless you and not give you what you want? You know what? I don't like it like this. I don't want this. Can God bless you and not give you what you want? The Bible says God blesses him. God shows him favor. He climbs the rank in Potiphar's house. He climbs the rank in jail as well. Yet, I want you to think about this. Yet, what is he? He's a slave in jail. Well, isn't it pretty good? No, he's a slave in jail. Does that sound like God's favor? Does that sound like God's blessing? He's still a slave in jail. Now, I want you to think about this. Again, how do you think he felt? Now, again, we start to think about how it ends, and we think, well, he's probably okay. He's done the right thing. He's tried to honor God, so much so that everybody's noticed, and he's climbed the rank. And yet, hey, God's hand is with him. Congratulations, you're still a slave in jail. How do you think he feels? All right, the next section, forget me not. Chapter 40, verses 15, 14 and 15. Verse 14 says this, Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Turning over to verse 23, chapter 40, verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He says, hey, all I ask is that you remember me. All I ask is that you tell Pharaoh about me. And then and we get to verse 23, and it says, yet he did not, he forgot Joseph. Now, here's the thing about this. Now, think about this. People, once their issue is settled, once their dilemma is done or gone, they go back to life. And so, you know what? This was a big deal. This guy's in jail, and it's tough, and he remembers, and he's glad. But once his situation's better, once his situation is fixed, he goes back to life as normal. All he had to do was to tell Pharaoh, hey, there's a guy in jail, and he's a good guy, and he didn't do this thing, and you ought to think about him. That's all he had to do. But once his issue's fixed, he's not worried about it. Now, why is he not worried about it? Could have been he's self-focused. You know what? I'm, I've got this fixed. Could have been he didn't want the trouble. I don't want to talk to Pharaoh about who's in jail. I don't want to take a chance on upsetting him. Could have been too much trouble. Could have been that once he was out of the situation, he was not grateful. But for whatever reason, the Bible says he forgot about him. Now, here's what I want you to do. Think about Joseph now at this point. Think about this. At this point in his life, no one knows where he's at. No one knows. His family doesn't know where he's at. No one knows where he's at. At this point in his life, no one really cares where he's at. 
He doesn't have family that cares where he's at. He doesn't have friends that cares where he's at. At this point in his life, no one even knows where he's at. No one cares where he's at. At this point in his life, he's alone. He's, he's been sold into slavery, did the right thing, didn't pan out. He worked in this house as a slave, did the right thing, didn't pan out. He's been put into prison, he did the right thing. Guess what? They forgot about him. Doesn't it seem pointless? Back to the question. How do you think he must feel? Hopeless? Pointless? Here's a question. Why should he have stayed hooked? Why keep honoring God? Why keep doing the right thing? And, and I start to see right here, it's been the pattern, but we start to see it. You know what? He must have really known who God was. That dream that he had, it must have been so real that he, he knew that was of God. He must have had faith in God. Why would he stay hooked? And I, I was actually preparing thinking about that. If, if I'm him and I'm in that prison and all these things have happened and it's one thing after another, you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm probably going to lead an insurrection. I'm probably going to kill two guards. I'm probably going to try to climb out a window and I'm leaving. Doing the right thing hasn't paid off. I'm about to do a whole bunch of the wrong thing. He does the right thing. Why do you think he does the right thing? He must know who God is. He must have faith in God. He's trusting God. All right, chapter 41, verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. Just one quick verse. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. Now, the reason I just went on that one verse is I don't want us to go too fast to miss this. After all of that, it's two more years. We think, well, we read this story. We read it in about 20 minutes. It probably didn't happen that, didn't take that long. After all of that, it says that the cupbearer was in jail for some time. So he's, he's, he's in there for some time. Joseph was there when he got there. And so he's been sold. He's worked in Potiphar's house. He's been put into prison. He's been in there now sometime. And now two more years, 730 days and nights after all of that. What do you think the worst part of suffering is? And I, and I start to think, Man, there's people go through bad stuff, hard stuff. Is that the worst part? Or is it trouble that doesn't end? Trouble that doesn't relent. And I start to think about, you know what? There's bad stuff. There's hard stuff. We go through that. But what if the trouble never lets up? What if, what if it's been years now and now there's more years on, on top of that? Your hope starts to fade. I did the right thing. We've done the right thing. We've stayed the course. Your hope starts to fade. How long is too long? And I, I think that's the question right here. He has been consistent. He has been committed. And now it's turned into years, two more years in just a verse. How long is too long? Joseph over and over and over again does the right thing. Here's the question now, and this is for us tonight, for us today. What if you do the right thing and nobody knows? Pick your area. What if you do the God-honoring thing and nobody sees? 
What if you do the God-honoring thing and nobody remembers? Here's the truth. God does. God knows. God sees. Do you know integrity, the definition of that is doing the right thing when nobody sees, nobody's watching. That's integrity. That's the wholeness of a character. You know what? He does the right thing when nobody knows, nobody sees. His, no one even knows where he's at. God knows and God sees. Tonight, do the right thing. Honor God. Carry his name well. What if nobody cares? What if nobody sees? What if nobody remembers? God knows, God sees, God cares. All right, picking back up in our verses. Starting in chapter 41, verse 2. I'm going to go back to verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up from after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the other bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief, dadgum this guy, then the chief cupbearer, wow, where you been, spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us, there a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me, he restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his clothes. He came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, in my dream, behold, I was standing by the bank of the Nile, and behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I saw also a dream, and behold, seven ears, full and good, came up on a single stalk. 
And lo, seven years, withered, thin, and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are the seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of the subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store them up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority, and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh, to all his servants. Pharaoh has a dream. God reveals what's about to happen. Seven years of abundance are coming, great abundance. After that, seven years of famine. Joseph says the the prudent, wise thing directed by God is to take a fifth of the abundance of the years, those seven years, put them into storehouses, and when the famine comes, we'll have enough to survive, even prosper during the famine. In those verses, here's the thing to take away. A lot of information, a lot of things happening. The thing to see is this, God is in it. It is of God. It is divine what is happening. They can see that. Pharaoh can see that. We can see that as we read that. God is leading. God is directing. God is working. All right, the last section tonight. Chapter 41, starting in verse 38. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage in the throne. I Only I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. 
Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zaphnath Penah, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. All right, and that and that set of verses, we see the same thing happens again. We see the same pattern again. In Potiphar's house, he is honorable. He honors God. He climbs to the top. In jail, he has the character of God. He honors God. He climbs to the top. Now, he is actually the ruler of Egypt. It says when he rides up that they actually have to bow a knee. Now, when we read that, I think we need to be sure and not miss how huge that is, how unlikely that is. That's actually pretty crazy. He's not from that country. He is sold out of his family. He is living as a slave. He is put into prison, and now he's actually the ruler of Egypt. Pharaoh says, I'm the Pharaoh, but you're in charge. Nobody lifts a foot if it's not approved by you. He's actually the ruler of Egypt. All right, go back to our question. How do you think Joseph feels? All these years, all these things, how do you think Joseph feels? Here's, here's something I thought about. Do you think he would have chosen this if he knew how it was going to end right here? Do you think he'd say, oh, it's okay if I go to prison, I'm going to be the the ruler of Egypt. It's okay if I suffer hardship, they're going to bow down. I'm going to be in charge of all, all the things in this nation. Do you think he would have chosen this, knowing he had to endure that, if he knew how it was going to end with him wearing Pharaoh's ring? How do you think he feels here? Well, here's a pretty good indication. Chapter 41, verses 50 through 52. Listen to this. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph from Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Listen to that again. He named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Here's what I think. Now, there's, there's no telling. This is what I think. How do you think Joseph feels? I think we could say, man, he's excited. He's glad. It's turned out good for him. He's the ruler. Here's what I think. I think he's still heart sick. I think he's still crushed in spirit. I think he still remembers his dad. That's why he says, God's made it where I don't remember my dad, my homeland, my brothers. The things in my past, I don't remember anymore. The fact that he says, 
I'm naming him this because I no longer remember that. Shows me he's not over those things. That's what I think. I think he's got it made. He's in a great position. I think his heart still hurts, and he remembers. Here's the key to the section tonight, and this is where we're going to pull it together. I think the key is this. He is fruitful in the land of his affliction. That's what he says in the, in the second name, Ephraim, that he names his son. He is fruitful in the land of his affliction. Did you know for Joseph, he never got out of this land? Did you know when he dies, they will carry his bones out of this land when they leave in the Exodus? And I, I sit there and think about it. He never got to go home. He never got to do these things, all, all, this, all these things. But what he did get the opportunity to do was to praise God even in his affliction. He got to praise God and bear fruit in the land of his affliction. Here's, here's the summary for us tonight. Life is tough. Life is unfair. Some of it's very hard. You know what? You may never escape the land of your affliction, but you know what you can do? You can praise God and bear fruit in the land of your affliction. What an awesome thing. I think what an awesome thing. In that land, he honored Christ, our God, our Savior. We can bloom where we're planted. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and again, we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that tonight you encourage us. Things are hard. That doesn't mean you've lost control. Things we can't understand, you're still faithful and wise, perfect in all things. And even in our affliction, you're with us, and you bless us, and we can point glory to you. Lord, I pray as we've heard this tonight, those of us here in this room, those listening by some other means, that we've been encouraged Yes, it may be one tough thing. It may be one tough thing after another. But we have the opportunity to say we have a living, risen Savior in Jesus our Lord. Lord, I pray for us that we would bloom where we are planted, that we would bring much glory to your name, whatever the situation, and that in all things we would be pleasing in your sight and quick to point to your glory. Lord, we come and just tell you we are thankful. We praise you and we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Glad you were here tonight.